Okay, let's get going. Episode 71 of Bricks and Mortar podcast and we're smack back in the middle of COVID. I think we're starting week five, I think. And what have they done? They've decided that you need to go and pick your 10 friends. 10 friends. But what happens if those 10 friends are not your 10 friends? I mean, the whole thing is just fraught with embarrassment. But we need to start thinking to move forward and how on earth we're going to get out of this. We're in a hell of a pickle and most of the guys and girls in the property game have either furloughed staff or they've shut down. Estate agents aren't doing anything, valuers aren't doing anything, removal companies aren't doing anything. Everybody's taking a hit as far as their business is concerned. And let's just hope that there's going to be a business for everybody when we get back. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a chat with Alex McTurk. Alex McTurk is a director at AB Property Consultants. Back in the day when I had my legal hat on, I got some work out of them, but that was back in, what, 2006, 2007. Now, their business is moving from strength to strength. Absolutely fantastic to get back in touch with Alex and hear his story. We talk about COVID, furloughing staff, his time in the police, mentors, and his five-year plan. It's a great story. So sit back, grab a coffee, and we'll get started. Okay, so we're back. Episode 71. I'm pleased that you've all joined us. I have to say, me bad. I've been pretty poor about getting these out. But COVID, for me, has been fantastic for the podcast because now everybody who was scared of Zoom is now no longer scared of Zoom and they're absolutely fantastic about doing these podcasts. So I'll tell you who we've got on this week. It's episode 71. We've got Alex McTurk, AB Property Consultants. He's been um, he's happy to come on and have a chat. He's on the other line. So we'll introduce you to him and uh, we'll, just, we'll just get cracking. Um, Alex, I'll give you a little bit of background of Alex. So he's had a couple of years in the police, so we'll, we'll make sure we have a chat about that. Um, he started his career at Benson's. He had a number of years there, nine good years at Benson's. And then uh, we'll interested to see how, how he decided to go to Allen and Harris, uh, lasted a couple of years there, and then back to Benson's and then landed at, uh, at AB. And he's been there, I think, for about five years. So Alex, welcome onto the show. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Glad to be here. Good, 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 good. So tell me, first of all, let's get, uh, let's get started. COVID, how is it affecting you guys out there? We've all had to adapt quickly. Um, mm. We, like everybody, have staff working from home. Um, within a couple of days, we were able to get things up and running. Uh, the customer-facing stuff, everybody's definitely missing it, missing interaction yeah. with our staff in the office. Uh, morale was quite high. We're, we're keeping contact every day. So, so far, everything is as good as it can be, I guess. And have you furloughed any staff? Are you considering furloughing any staff? Yes, um, we've had to just because some of the staff do specific job roles that, that are not um, being performed just now. Inspections, we have someone who does only inspections, only check-ins. Um, 
due to the volume of lettings properties we have, accompanied viewings with someone who does accompanied viewings, and these people just don't. There's nothing they can do just now, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And tell me, you said that you were having some fights with uh, solicitors. We all like a fight with a solicitor or two. And I know with registers having closed down and then they've now got this workaround, but they're still, I think, saying that it's only for... Um, transactions which are potentially going to cause hardship that you can actually try and get over the line. What's the feedback been from the solicitor side as far as that's concerned? The solicitors, I think, just needed a, a wee nudge along at the start. Um, we, we've found that if we can lean on somebody to get an unoccupied property, for example, somebody buying a bike collect, if we can lean on them a wee bit, get the, the, the transaction over the line, it means that we can get emergency accommodation available to people who need it. But the lawyers just pretty much took a, a, a carte blanche approach and said, we're not doing anything. There was the odd exception. I think the furlough system has played a big part in that, though, because there's a lot of lawyers saying that their staff are furloughed and they don't have any support to you know, continue the transactions. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um, all in all, we've managed to settle almost 70% of what we had uh, pipelined this month. But what I would say is... what. The pipeline for the future is pretty dry, and that's something that we'll need to very quickly work on for the sales side of things. I think for the estate agents, I think that's going to be a problem moving forward. Um, eventually, the valuers will start valuing again, the estate agents will, will open up again, and people will start looking to buy property. But the concern I've got is that there will be this black hole of however long where there's there's nothing because we're still create trying to recreate the pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the biggest the biggest problem we're going to have is exactly that. However, the buyers are raring to go. We're we're seeing leads. We're responding to every single lead that comes in. We're trying to cross sell every single lead that comes in. We're generally just trying to do everything we can to make sure that the anticipation's there as soon as the floodgates open. We reckon that you know today we've actually just sold the property from a virtual viewing I had done last week to a buy to wow. landlord who's going to furnish it and actually give it out to the NHS for free accommodation. We've already had a few that's done that already, um, but they need you know pe people are where it can be done. We're, we're trying to do it, but other than that, the general house moves hopefully will open up again pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. And how do you feel about the market itself? Because one of my concerns is that. We've got this issue with trying to keep people alive, et cetera, and making sure that we dampen down this curve. But as, as the longer that goes on and the longer that we're in lockdown, the more decimation there's going to be on the economy. And my concern is that there might be businesses out there who just don't start up again. I mean, there was something on the news there yesterday there that they're incredibly fearful that that's the case. Now, that's going to end up meaning that people are going to have to probably... There's going to be redundancies on the cards. There's going to be people that are probably going to have to take um, a cut in a salary. And, and my concern is that that potentially is going to then feed on to a lack of, of desire to want to buy property. What's your take on it? I think people are going to be more sensible. People were starting to forget the value of money for a while there. Yeah, a lot no, of I agree with that. Going, a lot of people, new build purchases going through where... The property, you know, any virtual valuations I'm doing just now is some 19, 20-year-old couples, you know, in £250,000 new-built houses, and they're worried. People paying £200,000 for a semi-detached in this area where we are just now, I mean, in my view, that's insane. It's never been there before. I think that in 2007, it crept up on everybody. 
now hopefully we can plan that things are going to be you know there's a bumpy ride ahead I, I don't think there's any doubt about that um but if the banks keep lending yeah which was obviously the main problem in 2007-2008 then we should hopefully be able to smooth it out a wee bit i just think that people will be more cautious about what they're paying i think over home report will start to change i think it will go back to a house is worth what it's worth and you know rightly so and i think there'll be a wee bit oversupply for potentially another six six months to a year maybe yeah year and, and, and that's ultimately going to dampen down the market because because it, it is every market is supply and demand and if there's an oversupply um, and there's not the demand there then the prices are going to level out aren't they yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, people, emo, emotions play a big part in property purchases. And, and we are seeing a house selling one side of the street, you know, great condition, 200,000, one coming on across the road, needing a ton of work to it, and people going crazy and paying 200,000 for that. And that's where the market's stepping up. But just now, I think when when the, the kind of oversupply comes back in, we'll probably find things to start, start to slow down a wee bit. I'm looking forward to seeing the changes in the market. I, I don't think it's it's going to be a bad thing, to be honest with you. We need it, and it's better done sooner rather than later. So listen, let's talk about the elephant in the room and the police. Um, that was obviously a career that you were keen on, on doing right from school. Yeah, I was 16, one of the first intakes of police cadets, uh, plucked from school, 16 and a half year old. I stayed there until I was almost 20. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I loved my time there. Yep. Um, the, the police was changing, you maybe remember that was around about the time when they changed from the white shirts into the kind of black short sleeve mm-hmm. uh, polo shirts that we are now. And, you know, that was a visual change at the public scene, but behind the scenes there was a lot more change going on. Um, and I think at that point I decided it was a wee bit like school from school, but I took a lot from it. I done a lot of diversity training. I worked in a uh, Ash Craig special needs school for three months. I worked in a nursery. I worked in a integration centre for uh, asylum seekers for a period of time as well. And wow. I think I took I took a lot away from my time in the police, um, and it probably has, has led me to be as independent as I am today. And when did you make the decision then to 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 move away from the police? The decision to move away was a wee bit controversial because I had basically gone to Canada on holiday. I've got family who stay over there and I had a two-week holiday. And when I was over there, I was enjoying it so much and I was pretty stunned at coming back. Young young mentality as well at the time. Yeah. And I phoned my boss and I says, I'm not coming back. And he said, no, no, it doesn't work like that. You get a notice period, etc." So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it, it didn't go down that well. But to be fair, I left in good terms. A lot of my friends are still in the police, uh-huh. um, and I've got a lot of respect. I think I think they do a great job, to be honest with you. But what was it particularly that when you were over in Canada, you just thought, you know what, I- I'm not going back? I think I just started to, to to dream of being a bit more free. When when you're at school, you get to a stage where you think 16, 17, maybe 18 year old, and then I can leave. I can I can have a go to college, or I can do whatever I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But that never came for me and I constantly waited on it and the police is really like school from school. You've got Tully Allen, you've got Jackton, you've got a lot of regimented, you know, structure to your life at that point. Uh-huh. I think I just wanted to cut, cut the ties free a wee bit. Obviously I had seen some stuff as well that was pretty grim for my age. Um, I would say I seen dead bodies, autopsies, things wow. that were pr- pretty horrible, you know, and you can imagine that maybe, I think it was about 18, 
17, 18, the first time I seen anything like that. And it's, um, you know, it's probably seen my other friends starting to get out and party at the weekends and I'm on the night shift, you know. <laughs> it wasn't quite like Taggart then. No, definitely not. <laughs> and it's changed a lot since now. Yeah, so they, say, so they say. It was. And then, so you came back and, and you broke the news to your parents that, uh, you know, that great career that you, they were, you were going to have in the police and you decided, well, what did you decide? Well, it never went down well with the parents, to be no, honest. Really like, didn't. They, they, they had just got round the circle of friends telling everybody that I was in the police and how great my son was doing and then all of a sudden I was unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> and then to make it worse, I went to be an estate agent. So, you know, like... <laughs> And why estate agency? Talk us through that move. The move to estate agency, when I came back, my mum said to me, you're not lying in your bed all day, get down the job centre. So in honesty, I walked into the job centre, filled out a wee form, the lady came back and says, I've got a job at Benson's, go for an interview, went and done that, and, you know, that was the start of my career. And so Benson's East Kilbride estate agent, probably one of the big, bigger players in East Kilbride as far as estate agency is concerned. Um, and how did the progress go from there? When, when I started in Benson's, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a curious person, so I was constantly getting involved with, with what everybody else was doing in the office. Um, and, you know, I, I found that I was brought in to kind of fill a need that technology was coming in at that point. We had, around about that time, was the introduction of like Wi-Fi. It was the introduction of, you know, really a spreadsheet, for example. So when so would this started, have been? What kind of timeline is that? That was about... Um, 2004-ish, round about okay, then. Right. Um, and, and the technology was actually meaning that I had more and more free time. So I started to look at what everybody else was doing. I started to get involved doing things like the VAT, for example. Um, it just started to become a, an all-rounder in, in the company. And then in 2007, um, they had made you know some redundancies at that point due to the, the, the uh, change in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had picked up essentially two roles within the office. Um, and you know that's probably where I really started to learn learn the trade. Really. So you'd last you we you stayed there what nine years I think. Um, yes. And then the, was it the lure of Alan and Harris to talk us through that because they would have probably been one of your competitors out in, in Hamilton. And did they yeah. come to you and chap at your door, or did you get maybe fed up at Benson's? Why did you move from Benson's? I, I, I was. Um, my area director at Benson said, had, uh, sorry, Alan and Harris had phoned several times and he was, you know, why don't you come and give corporate agency a try, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so you were tapped up? Ah, pretty much, I think. <laughs> I, I would like to think that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I absolutely, I, I, you know, I, I went to Alan and Harris because I wanted a bit more structure and honesty. Independent estate agency, and, and uh, anybody in independent estate agency would probably agree, things don't, really in a corporate company the flow um you know task to task there's a real structure to how things work mm-hmm. um and I, I wanted to see that and i get involved in everything at alan and harris you know i was i was in every corner of the company you know i, I just was really curious and i took a lot away from alan and harris as well I and mean, it was a, a huge learning curve for me and did benson's tap you back up because no, you went back there the, the strange thing is, I had decided, I had gone on holiday that summer. And decided oh, that's to holiday. Go. I tell you what, you know, when you're going on holidays, that seems to I mean, be the problem with you. <laughs> I, I was reading a book, I think it was, it was actually Duncan Bannatyne's book. And I oh, the ice myself, cream, is that the one where he, he does the ice cream bands? 
I think it was his very early one where he was yeah. telling about how he started out in the, the uh, doing the care homes, and it was right back at the start. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, oh, this looks easy. You know, this guy started with nothing, and here he goes, he's you know, gyms and everything now, you know? Uh-huh. So I thought to myself, right, I'm going to give that a bash. So I started to arrange viewings for commercial units um, that were unoccupied, and I went to one, um, it was the old shepherd's office in the corner of... Um, Campbell Street in Hamilton. So this was whilst you were where? Back at Benson's? No, I was at Allen and Harris. Alan and, Harris. Okay, yep. and I was kind of thinking to myself, I might go alone. So I started to have a wee look about, um, went to interview the, the premises, and there's you know the, the owner of Benson's standing. And he's looking at me saying, what are you doing? And I'm looking at him saying, what, you know, vice versa. So we decided at that point, rather than me go, go alone, that we would do a you know, I would take essentially a, a, a kind of mini franchise from Benson's. Okay. So that that was the, the start of that. So I had a wee bit of backing um, to get things up and running. And then I ended up um, basically left to my own devices in the Hamilton branch. They didn't get involved. We'd done sales, we'd done lettings. We'd, we'd done really well from, from that branch. And what did you learn? So when you moved from Allen and Harris, what was your takeaway from that? What was the, the, uh, the most important thing you learned from that? Um. I probably, I, I can't say the words that I want to say, but I, I felt that the corporate world, um, the corporate world needs to loosen up a wee bit. You know, there's, there, there seems to be often one focus, um, one thing in mind, whether that be mortgages or whether it be a state agency. I was told when I started at Allen & Harris that this is a mortgage company that sells houses. And for me, from the off, I didn't like that. I didn't agree with things like they had a thing called buyer's incentive, which is a thousand pound off. And the actual logistics behind it was great and it fed mortgage appointments into the branch. But I felt there was too much emphasis placed on, on mortgages and less placed in selling houses. And I'm an estate agent, you know, and uh-huh. I couldn't, I'm not massively interested in, in mortgages other than I, knowing somebody I, has one. I have to say, it's very interesting you talk about that and the corporate culture because there is this corporate culture that the, the corporates would like you to think, and that's their sort of exterior voice. But then actually when you get inside the corporate and you go to all the trainings, the trainings and how the companies actually works is a lot of the time completely different to how they would want to be perceived in the marketplace. Absolutely. I, I call it cat kicks dog, you know, and it just basically means that it just the message gets passed through 10 people to get to the front line. And, you know, th- th- I, I... <laughs> <It's good. laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's pre- you know, I, I seen the moving from basically the front line being a branch manager which is, is where I started out mm-hmm. and I seen the, the processes behind the scenes and how information was passed and that's one of the things I just felt that you know because at the end of the day if somebody loses faith in a process maybe not necessarily at the front line but an area director role or a regional director role the message isn't passed you know um, enthusiastically to the people that are actually dealing with it and then you, you have a kind of you know regional we are dealing with things uh-huh. and, and that was probably my biggest frustration really i had some great uh, you know absolute great memories from alan and harris i've got uh, everything I, I really enjoyed it but i took as much knowledge as i could from them yeah and then off to benson's then um and what do you what did what do you think that they saw in you 
that they thought, you know what, Alex, he's the man? Um, I'm, 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 I'm loyal. They know that they can trust me 100%. Whatever mm-hmm. I would um, give them, you know, there's... Um, I think I'm the most honest estate agent I know. Um, I've always been about front with people. If I've got any issues, I'll speak to them um, about them. And we, we had a really good way of working, being the, the owners of Benson. So um, I really enjoyed my, my second spell there as well. Yeah, yeah. And then on to AB, talk us about how that all transpired. AB was... My business partner, Bill, Bill Muir, um, he's B of AB, I'm A, yeah. Alex. Um, we had had a chat and decided at that point it was time maybe to look at, you know, going it completely um, on our own. The Benson setup was fine, but there was there was a couple of wee issues that, you, that I'm sure everybody with a franchise has, whereby maybe you need an extra staff member. If you're selling 10 houses, you, you, you can operate with two members of staff. We got to a stage where we had 110 for sale. And I was sort of beating the drum about, I need somebody else. I need another set of hands to answer the phone, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I just really wasn't getting that. And I always feel that if I go to evaluation, I'm selling that person my personal standards. And if I can, if the office isn't servicing those standards, then it's a reflection in me. It's not a reflection in the company. So that was my biggest uh, reason for leaving them. And when I came to start at AB, um, I brought those same values. And that's why, I mean, we're... What I would suggest is overstaffed in this office, and we, we do really we leave no stone unturned, um, and, and we use a lot of the Allen and Harris processes that I had mm-hmm. been taught in my time at Allen and Harris to deliver a really good independent service. So, Bill does the mortgages out there, and then you've got who does the? the there's somebody there, a woman. What's her her name? Or Chrissy. Chrissy, yes. Yes. So back in the day when I, because I wear two hats, okay, so I've, my background's a legal background, 20 odd years as a solicitor dealing with resi conveyancing. Um, so I remember I went out to AB one time uh, just to try and get some, get some business. Um, yes. Now this would be, gosh, this would be 2003, maybe 2004, when I was at McDonald's. And I always remember, every time I pass by, yeah. I always see the sign AB. Um, and yes. I fondly remember that. I can't remember. I think we got a bit of business from you guys. Um, and then, as with a lot of these things, unless you continue to speak to one another, it tends to wither on the vine. There has to be a sort of connection um, yeah. or yeah. an above the what yeah. you're actually doing on a day-to-day basis and for whatever reason it just it just wasn't there but she's still well, there I, doing the thing is she yes Chrissy's Good. still here and I, I remember you personally from uh, your time at mcdonald's um i used to deal with ian mckillop and ah, Lauren yes, Murray yes, yes. Um, at mcdonald's and i used to faithfully pass them business when i was at benson's for, for many years yes of and course, i remember your name being, being there as well yeah so you know the that, that side of things, it's a small world estate agency. Um, I think everybody does somewhere along the line know, know everybody. And Chrissy's still here. Chrissy's, um, I'm not going to mention her age, but um, she, she's, um, <laughs> <laughs> she, she's one of the most knowledgeable members of staff in, in the office. Yeah. Right. So I, I hadn't realised that our paths had crossed then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I remember that, yeah. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so you've been now there for how long have you been there? Five years, I think. 
Yes, five you years. Know. We've had the Lettings company for four years and the estate okay. agency company for five. Good, good, good. And are you doing any side hustle for yourself? Have you got flats? Have you got properties yourself that you look after? No, the, everything that we do is focused around the business. We've got, okay. we've got a, a, a secondary business, which is a project management company. That, that that's where a lot of our energy and time is focused just now. Um, it does some insurance work and various other things as well. Um, it's it's independently run, so that that side of things is is taken care of separately. But that's where we're focused on energy. The market, for what I've seen in, in the time scales I've had, I th- you know I think we got to that stage where um, the, the company itself has has properties, but individually, um, you know, I, I don't. So tell me, um, it seems to have been not too bumpy a ride for you. What's been the hardest thing that you've had to deal with up until now? Um, the hardest thing I would say would be probably the, the introduction of, of online agents. Um, th- there is a place for them in the market, uh-huh. um, but they obviously came in um, at a time where we were just starting to build the business. Um, and, you know, if you're selling 20 houses a month, it doesn't have much impact, you know, in terms of fees. But if you're selling two or three, which we were at the time when the, the kind of main online agents came on board, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it did probably hit us quite hard. Now, we, we never changed much. Um, we, we, we just improved our services. We added in things like the videos. We've been doing the videos now for, for almost four years for every single property that we sell. Um, and social media is huge for us. Uh, we get so much business from it and we, we contribute. Um, a lot to the social media world um, for people that are looking for properties as well. And so we've all made mistakes. And I think one of one of my biggest mistakes was to probably stay in the law for too long because <laughs> I just ended up getting completely scunnered by it all. Um, and, I, and I guess if truth be told, since, two th- since the crash in 2008, um, where I was with, uh, with McDonald's, um, we ended up trying to, well, I had to find a partner because the computer system was on its last legs and, and there was various other partners who were keen to, to get out. Um, and then it, I suppose then looking back now, you think your career is, is, goes on a, you know, a straight, a straight line. But when you look back on it, it looks as if it was a straight line. But actually, when you're actually in the thick of it, it's very difficult sometimes to make decisions. How difficult of a decision was it to make to join AB? The decision wasn't difficult at all. Um, I think it was the, the, the biggest sacrifice I made was financially because, uh, you know, when you start a business, essentially started with the fresh air. So um, we had, you know, by, by that point, we, did, we didn't have a, a huge amount of money to put into the business. So uh-huh. we started with very little and that, that was the, the, the hardest bit of it. Um, in terms of what, anything I feel I've, I've, I've made a mistake with in business life, I, I think I've made the right moves at the right times and I think I've been really lucky to do that. I think I moved from Benson's to Allen and Harris at the point where you know the market was starting to slip and you know making a living at Benson's was becoming quite difficult the first time around. Uh-huh. Allen and Harris providing a steady income and a chance to increase my knowledge, albeit on a lower income than I was at Benson's, but with more security. And then back again into the, the kind of Benson setup allowed me to take my knowledge 
um, and, you know, with a bit of financial backing from the owners at Benson's to get things up and running. Um, and then the, the jump to AB, um, you know, at the end of the day, it, starting any business is going to be a, a painful setup process, I think. Uh-huh. And, a lot of things, right moves were putting credit cards for a few months and you know, there's a lot of, um, looking back, pretty risky things done in the very early days. But, um, it's, your, but it's your baby. You know, you, to, to a certain extent, as long as you're putting, or certainly I felt when we, we started up Bricks and Mortar, I felt that as long as I was putting food on the, on the table, um, and luckily my, my wife um, working has got a good job, so... And, and I had done relatively well out of the law. So, you know, there was that little bit of a cushion. But yes, ultimately, you do take a drop in income. And, but for me, it was, I could do things my own way. I could decide how, what, how quickly I wanted to grow it, who I wanted to employ. And ultimately, the buck stopped with me. And I think probably I was maybe yearning for that for a long, long time. And it was only when the decision was actually made that I decided that, that I realized that, you know, it was the best decision that I've ever made. Yeah. And I think if you've got some kind of security behind you, whether it's, you know, a um, collateral or a partner to support you, then that's okay. The point where I decided to go alone, I was actually going through a divorce at the time. Um, and had, you know, most of my assets at that point were uh, disposed of, and it was a complete fresh start for me in, in mm-hmm. every aspect of my life. Yep. Um, so looking back, I've no idea how I got through it, and, and this coronavirus thing just now is, um, you know, it's not as difficult as the, the times were back in the very early days, and I keep reminding myself that. I keep my routine, and I get up in the morning and, and, and do as I did when I had no houses to sell in here. And continually beat the drum and, and just pray that you know around the corner there's going to be you know some some sunlight really. Mm-hmm. You mentioned there about routine. I'd be interested just to see: Do you have a morning routine that you constantly go through? Yep, every single morning. I wake at the same time. We have a morning meeting in here at quarter to nine. I'm normally in just before that to prepare me and my business partner sit down and have a chat. All of the staff are involved in the morning meeting. We've continued that whilst the staff are working from home and we have the Zoom calls in the morning, et cetera. Um, And, you know, during the day, we we have a structure to our day. um, And the structure is there designed basically to make sure, first and foremost, that the customers that have maybe asked us about viewing a property, for example, are being serviced and we're chasing them, they're not chasing us. But secondly, to make sure if there's any opportunities from that customer that we can take, you know, the, the, the chance to, um, you know, develop those opportunities. So we call the, the morning meeting's called a morning opportunities meeting. And it's basically reviewing what we've done the previous day. If we've had five viewings, do they have, you know, do they need uh, mortgage advice? Do they have houses to sell? You know, who's cash buyers? You know, where are we at with the, the actual sales? And, and you will just go through, you will just go through those prospective clients one by one looking for potential opportunities yeah that's yep. quite interesting every client and, and this is something that we had taken from from the Allen and harris thing they had a, a system called an applicant card um, and it was very english the, the applicant card they had and we were made to use it in scotland so we have designed something in here which is an online form that the staff can can fill out um, and, and it's everything stored securely. We can access it. We can we can recall it. We can 
um, you know, anything, you know, we, we can keep track of where people are at with, with our, um, their own, uh, you know, system really. Mm-hmm. Um, we, 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 have a, we, we send an email out to people asking them to authorise that we can um, keep them updated with any, anything, any products that we have available, for example, you know, mortgage products um, or uh, that free valuations, et cetera. I'm always interested in how client, how businesses keep in touch with their clients. How do you go about doing that? The, we, because of Chrissy, who we mentioned earlier, we do phone first. Um, phone, text, and email is the is the way that, that we handle these, and that they're dealt with in that. You still there? Requirement to sell a house, etc. And then what we would do after that is, um, you know, if we couldn't get you in the morning, we'd chase you again in the afternoon, really. And at the end of the day, these people have asked us about viewing houses, so we're there to to, to, uh, contact them. But phone, we've found a couple of the younger staff in the office tend to mix the phone text and email up a wee bit and you find that they've just emailed 20 people and not picked up the phone but they, you know, if somebody gives you their phone number phone them they hate the phone the kids yeah it is just it's something insane. i don't know what it is but they're just i think they've been brought up so much by uh, text and snapchat and and everything like that that they're just almost scared of the phone communicating yeah it's, yeah, a, it's, it's an odd thing it's insane I don't understand why um, why they do it, but at the end of the day, we just have to, you know, that, that's things that we work on. We have a, a weekly training meeting, which uh, happens on a Wednesday for sales and a Thursday for mm-hmm. lessons. And that's just a wee extra 45 minutes. And it's just about everybody sharing their knowledge. There's, there's no hierarchy in here. Everybody works on a level. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and, you know, we're happy for people to bring stuff to the table as well. I suppose the the argument from the kids is that well, if they are been brought up on the on the phone, then the people potentially that they are contacting have also been brought up the phone, and they won't want to speak either. So they'll be quite happy just to keep contacted. But I'm not convinced by that. I have to say, nah, it's it's amazing how much information you can get out of a phone call with somebody compared to a text. It's, oh, for sure, it's definitely not the the way ahead. But you know, again, I think. This lockdown is going to teach everybody that you know a bit of verbal communication, face-to-face communication. You know how much do we, how much have we started to underappreciate that? Yeah, I completely agree. I have to say we do a lot of text because I think the open rate for a text is much better than the open rate for an email. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. Um, but an email, you can put more content into. Of course, you can. Um, you can attach a home report for us. Um, it's important that we're sending schedules out to people and just keeping people interested because who knows, somebody could be sitting at 8 o'clock at night having a wee wine and they forgot about the property the next day and all mm-hmm. of a sudden some other agent's on their tail about something. So following day, everybody's emailed schedules and you know we, 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 we keep people, we, we, we call it in, in-house, we build a customer's journey. So that's a buyer's journey rather than a seller's journey as such. So yep. if somebody asks about one type of property and we don't have anything just now, we, you know, we get the permission to store the details and we'll contact them and let's say a month's time if something similar comes on. So it's about just, you know, nurturing that relationship with the buyers. Yeah. You mentioned there about calling the meeting, the, what did you say it was the opportunities uh, meeting? Opportunities, um, yeah. Do you have any sort of mat- mottos or affirmations that, that you have? 
that you use? Um, what we use in the office is professional, simple and straightforward. So these have been taken from my time at the you know, previous independent estate agency and then at corporate agency. Uh -huh. um, I think people overcomplicate things. So the process has to be straightforward and we have to appreciate that not everybody's an expert. So straightforward is the most important um, motto, I would say. If somebody comes to us, it's, you know, we treat everybody like they know nothing and then you know, we, we, we build in that relationship. Yeah, that, and what about personal? Any any particular personal mottos that you like? Affirmations? Um, Cheesy, the better. I think you tell me, you tell me yours, and I'll tell you mine. Mike's got the best one. Mike's is just do it. And I have think you read? Uh, have you read Shoe Dog? Nope. So Shoe Dog is the memoir of the guy who created nike and i just i've just read it. i got it for christmas and for whatever reason never read it so i read it over about three or four days absolutely fantastic it's a yeah. it's a wonderful wonderful read it takes him from in the 1960s he goes out to japan um jack's in his job goes out to japan um gets a contract with a company so starts selling these shoes called tiger shoes um, and then falls out with uh, the Japanese distributors. It's absolutely fantastic. You, you must yep. get it. It is just, it's a brilliant read. Brilliant I'm read. I'm going to read it that. The one that, my, my favourite book of all time um, is a book called How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling. And it was written in the 19, 1903, I think it was. And it's Frank Becker is the, the um, author of it. It's well worth a read. It strips out technology. It strips out basically even phones and it's just about good old-fashioned face-to-face communication with people okay. um, it's about a guy who basically he's an insurance salesman and field insurance salesman becomes a baseball player big league baseball player breaks an arm and basically thrown back into the insurance world and this time around they're living and they just put themselves in front of people and 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 you know helping people and, and being honest the book it's it's one of the best books i've ever read and i've, I've loaned it to quite a few uh, other estate agents that i know and everybody's loved it because it's very relevant to what we do interesting and tell me when you loan books do you actually get them back i can't remember how many books i've lent people and uh, and i've never got them back well, you know, I thought that one was missing, and then I opened a suitcase that I didn't know I had, and it turns out it's in there. So, <laughs> you know, probably the time I went on holiday and decided to start the business. Oh God, there's that holiday thing again. I tell you, your but your your, <laughs> uh, your co-partner will be refusing to allow you to go on any holidays. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen. I wanted just to touch on on mentors and and people who have helped you throughout your career to date? Have you got anybody in particular that you think, you know what, I'm glad I met them because they told me this, that, and the next thing, and without that, I don't think I'd be here doing what I do. Yep. Are you there yet? Yeah, well, my it's... internet's been a bit wobbly. I do apologize <laughs> it's for right. that. It's, no, it's okay. Um, they... You know, it'll probably come as a surprise to them when I say this as well, but I've got two friends and they're actually our transcriptionists that do the typing. Um, it's uh, Brian Galloway and Ada Galloway. They own a company called Transcribe UK, so give them a plug. There's 
they are um, the nicest people I know. Um, they're very, very well connected and involved with the Federation of Small Business. Any time I've ever asked anything of them, you know, I'm actually scared to ask because they actually go so far out their way to make it happen. It's, it's unbelievable. The most connected people I know, not industry related, um, but there's a, a lot of good advice. Um, and, you know, they're one of the people I've, I've had a FaceTime call with uh, during this lockdown, even though we can do no business together right now. Wow. That's just amazing, isn't it? That they, they do say there was, there, there's a quote about it, it's not what you do. It, it's not what you did for somebody. It's not what you, you do. Um, it, it's how you make them feel is. And if, if you can have a relationship with somebody who just makes you feel fantastic, um, then it, it, it just gives you that little bit of a, a kick up the arse. Uh, sometimes that we all need. Yeah, I think if, I, I like to think of myself as that type of person. I pick up the phone. I've already spoke to two estate agents this morning and given them my opinion on something that they were they were asking. Yeah. Um. I, I like to think of myself as an available person to, to anyone who wants to you know seriously chat about anything in any line of business as well. Um. And you know that I've, I've been inspired definitely by Brian and Ada for that. Um, and you know exactly what you said there. It's um, it's amazing the kind of difference people just a bit of moral support sometimes. Somebody just to see everything's going to be okay. You're away down the wrong path. Take a turn here, and, and everything will be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's wonderful that and and so many people are more than grateful to give you that advice. And I think something with regards to advice is that you should always take and listen to the advice. Whether or not you take heed of the advice, it's very much down to you. Um, and there's some advice you think, well, you know what, that's maybe not for me, but it's so important to listen to it and then utilise it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're one of the most influential people in, in business for me. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm probably only taking over 5% of their advice if even that. Um, but I do listen to it, and it's maybe not relevant at, at that point, but it's become relevant sometimes further down the line. But it's just about having an open mind and actually listening to people. Uh, that's a big skill that's been lost. Just now everybody wants to talk, nobody wants to listen. And, you know, I feel that they're, they're the opposite way around. You know, when I went on the call the other day with them, they probably never got two words in. I just told them my life story and my woes. It's interesting what you talk about with listening, and I'm a big believer that so many people listen on the basis that, they don't when they listen what they are doing is they're just waiting to reply they're not actually listening listening so yep. what you need to do is when you listen the first thing is not how am i going to reply to that it's can i learn from what they're saying and that's such a difficult thing to do I, the easy test of that, though, is just stop talking mid-sentence. And it's amazing how many people just stop as well and, and change the subject. It's, I think it's, it's quite apparent. And, you know, each to their own. If, whatever they are doing works for them. And that's the most important thing. Keep an open mind. And everybody's, nobody's opinion is wrong, I don't think. I think that thing about the silence is absolutely crucial. Is that there's many a time, especially in the estate agents, who'd love to talk. There's not an estate agent who doesn't like to talk. And certainly one of the tricks I used to play about the negotiating side of things was just to have that pregnant pause and you just never know what the estate agent is actually going to say. And if it's a negotiation, a one-to-one -one negotiation, 
they might actually let something out the bag that they would never have thought just purely because there's a pause there. It's it, it, so many times that's worked. It's been it's been the best one of the best things that I I use when we're on a one to one negotiation. It works great. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it's a great tool. I just wanted to 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 finish on plans and and where you're moving forward. So have you got have you got a five year plan? Have you got a ten year plan? What what's what's the future um, for you guys? A fortnight plan. <laughs> let's, let's, let's assume that we're not in the middle of lockdown. Um, yeah, I think the, the longer term plan. I mean, we'd, we'd love to go and open a second branch. And again, before the online age came, it was always our idea we wanted to maybe three men grand plans and you know in our own mind scaled them back and thought we can, you know there's nothing we can't do from this office yeah. um probably like to we, we, we're basically trying to close all the rings really um we've got you know everything that we, we do we can do in-house and we're at that stage and that was my, my real short-term plan letting's mortgages you know the project management and the estate agency so if you buy a house we can do a bit of refurb work to it we can let it out for you we can do the mortgage we can do Mortgage, whatever it's required. It's then just build on top of that, finding out what the business is um, can do with improving. You know, for example, there's a couple of third-party services that we're not overly happy with. Um, you know, we, we feel that they're maybe we're not getting the service we should from them, um, and and that's probably because people again are taking money for granted. Back ten years ago, you get a far better service off of some of these people. Um, and you know, I'm not going to mention specifically what, but. These businesses are ones that we are looking at and thinking: Could we do this better, and could we, you know, help other mm -hmm. estate agents do this better? Yeah, um, yep. and you know, that's that, that's the kind of thing we're looking at now. Interesting, interesting, good stuff. Um, and what are you? Anything that you're particularly working on at the moment? Um, nothing. We're just we're still working. We're, we're now involved with a couple of insurance companies um, through the the project management side of things. Mm -hmm. It's been great. We're, we're just helping somebody just now whose uh, house has been flooded. Um, and we're trying to make sure that they've got alternative accommodation. So again, it links into the letting side of things um, and making sure that the, the repairs are done on time and to a good standard. So that, that side of things is, is what we're putting a lot of uh, into just now. Good, 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 good. And you said you like your motorbikes and yep. uh, you're going to be doing some um, Blood deliveries, I think, I, I took from that. Have you passed the test yet? Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing there. Yes, that would be embarrassing if you asked that question. I didn't pass yesterday. Um, so Lifesavers Scotland, it's a voluntary organisation. You've probably seen them go about. They have the blue blue light bikes. Um, and hold on a second, sorry. Somebody frantically trying to get me here. I'm just going to put my phone off. Um, so they've got the, the, the blue light bikes that go around um, delivering blood and yes. taking the uh, coronavirus uh, samples uh, on transfer between labs and, and whatever. Um, and basically, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very worthwhile cause, I feel. Um, I've got my motorbike licence. And, you know, if I can contribute towards maybe uh, helping them some of the time while I've got some free time in my hands, I'm going to do that. So it's completely Wonderful. voluntary. It's a, a great cause. Great. Great, great, great. And is there anything I can do for you? Um, I'm, I'm loving them. I've not watched uh, 70 of them yet, but I'll, I'll certainly be making my way through more now. Good, 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 good. Excellent. Well, listen, 
You've been a wonderful guest. Um, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, what we'll do is there's very little editing, I have to say. I've only ed ever edited one podcast, and that's because the person swore. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I've avoided that. I, so I, there's I, been I no swearing, which is good. <laughs> I nearly swore. I nearly described the conference, but I won't do that. No, that's no, no, actually very good. No, it's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, listen, thanks very much for that. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, Jonathan. Thank you. You know what? I really enjoy speaking to Alex there. I've not met Alex before. I mean, I know that we'd had dealings with him when I had the legal hat on, but never met him. And you know what? It's just great to pick up with somebody like that who's got such a lovely manner about them. Um, Hardworking guy, great sense of humour, and uh, I'm sure... He'll do really, really well uh, with the business out there, notwithstanding what we're all going through at the moment. Next week, we've got the enigmatic Sam Dyer from Dyer Property. Um, young kid in his late 20s, and uh, he's causing a storm with Dyer Property. And uh, I'm going to have a chat with him next week. A lot of the stuff that we're doing at the moment is going out on Zoom. In fact, it's all going out on Zoom. And so with Zoom, what we're doing is we're recording the video of that. And if you want to see the video, then you can join us on Instagram and also Facebook. We're under Bricks and Mortar Mortgages on the Facebook and on the Instagram, Bricks and Mortar Mortgages. Join up, follow us there and you can see the videos. It's also on YouTube under Bricks and Mortar Mortgages. So that's next week. That's Sam Dyer. Just an update on number one and number two. Number one, she was over in Spain, took a year out, going to go and play some hockey in Bilbao. We got her back, probably got the last flight out of Bilbao before everything closed closed down so she's been back with us for four or five weeks and she's climbing the wall she's going up to Aberdeen to study up there in September let's hope that all kicks off and then we've got number two she's still keen in her hockey she's doing a bit of national stuff with the under 16s so she's training super super hard uh, doing her nat fives which have obviously been cancelled but she did pretty well as far as our, our uh, prelims are concerned so we're fairly confident that she'll be okay when she opens that envelope in august so i'm going to sign off a little bit about bricks and mortar mortgages we've obviously been locked down everybody's working from home i've not furloughed any staff we're still relatively busy obviously no purchases are on the go at the moment so as far as the incomes are concerned we've taken a little bit of a hit but with the 10 grand grant from the council then uh, that will I think uh, mean that the coffers are still relatively tidy um, how are we all going to land how are we all going to land when we come to the end of this that is the question I guess that those of us who are in the property game are now starting to think about and it really is down to confidence, isn't it? I think that everything will come back quickly if everybody feels confident that they're going to have a job to be able to go back to and that the economy picks up pretty quickly. It will all be down to confidence. So let's hope, cross our fingers, that uh, there is a fair amount of confidence there and then we can get back up and running just as quickly as possible. I'm going to sign off. Remember, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook and we've got the YouTube channel as well. We'll catch you next time.